Open your Bibles. While you're opening your Bibles, I want to ask you one question that you're going to hear uh, a lot over the next uh, over the next year, uh, and the question is, who's your one? Now, this has nothing to do with uh, the, the sermon today. It might I might bring it in a little bit, but I want to ask you a question: this, the question of who's your one? Now, the the context for the, for this question is I want you to be thinking about someone who is in your life that does not know Jesus. Now, I'm not saying know about, I'm saying does not have a relationship with Jesus. And what we're going to do over the, 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 the course of the next year is we're going to focus, each individual in here, I want you to focus on one person. Now, husband and wife, you can't focus on the same, well, we're praying together. No, 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 no. Each individual in here is to have one person that if I ask you who's your one, you can rattle off a name uh, to me. We're going to get uh, some prayer guides out, and we're going we're gonna to really uh, uh, use the, this question as a, uh, I'm trying to avoid the word evangelistic approach, because every time you say evangelism, people are like, ah! I, I, I've talked to a bunch of people in, uh, about, when I say evangelism, what does that mean to you? And the first thing that the overwhelming majority of the people uh, think of is going door to door, knocking and saying, hey, if you die right now, do you know where you're going to go? No, but I know where you're going to go <laughs> off my porch. Um, but that's not, that's not what I'm talking about evangelism. I'm talking about having an intentional interaction and, a, and, a, and an intentional conversation about who Jesus is with somebody when we talk about uh, evangelism. So, we're going we're gonna to talk more about that in the future, but I want to get this ball rolling uh, uh, with the, that idea that you could be thinking about that one person. All right. If you have your Bibles open, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to continue in our series. Um, this, this prayer series where we're focusing on um, engaging spiritual reality. Over the past couple of weeks, we, we've talked about a, quite a bit of stuff, and, and I pray that as we have talked about um, the, the, the first week, the establishing this foundation, as we have talked about the, the, the foundation which is established, and, and remember what we, we, how we have the, um, the domain of darkness. In, in the spiritual realm, there, there's understanding there's a domain of darkness, and there's a domain uh, or a, a, the, the kingdom of the sun. Now, in, in the spiritual, what we have to understand is that is where our, our spirit is connected to God. It's our connectedness to God. And when we talk about those who are in the domain of darkness versus those who are in the kingdom of the light, we're talking about the difference between death and life. And we have to understand that as we are, and we'll get more into this a little bit, but as we are born into this world, although you think all babies are innocent, we are born with a sin nature. We are born spiritually dead, and we are born in need of saving. Saving from what? Saving, saving from the, the, the penalty of sin. And this is when we're talking about the spiritual. Uh, uh, what, what happens is people want to focus so much on the physical that they avoid the spiritual. But we talked about, and you guys can go back there if you're online, listen or whatever, to a pre the previous messages, where what happens in the spiritual affects what goes on in the physical. 
Too many times what, what people do is they try to, to invert that and, and figure out what, what can I do in the, in the, the physical though make the spiritual better. No, no, no. You, you have it upside down. We got to focus on, on the spiritual to make the physical better. Uh, and the, the way in which we, and the primary way in which we can really focus and get focused in and, uh, and being effective and engaging in the spiritual is through prayer. That is the, the way in which God has given us to um, engage in this battle that is, that is happening. This battle that we cannot see, this battle, as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, that is raging on, this battle that, we, that um, it involves the, the, the rulers and the authorities and, and the, the, the powers in the heaven. But this battle, that, as it rages on, it affects what goes on in the physical. So the invisible infects the physical. The spiritual infects that which is what we're doing here now. So as we have went over all of that, what I want us to do is I want us to understand that we have a role in this. We have some participation that needs to take place. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 says that we are to be praying at all times in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit and understanding that this praying in the Spirit, as we talked about last week, um, which, uh, if you guys, obviously you were here the first service, the, the second service, we put that up online as well because that was, it, it ended up a little bit different than the first service. Um, they, we had a little bit of interaction that was kind of uh, fun. Uh, so I would give, uh, yeah, like interaction like that, yeah, that's all right. Um, but uh, we, we had some interaction that, that, that was fun that I would, I would recommend uh, you all taking a look at that. But, uh, you know, we, we talked about how praying in the Spirit is, is not praying in tongues. We talk about how praying in the Spirit is praying in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's about praying um, according to the will of God. And understanding the will of God is to display His glory for all of creation to see. Now, as we pray in the Spirit, as we are uh, um, engaging in this warfare, what we cannot do is we cannot ever think that we, in, we uh, come to a, a battle or we, we're coming to this engagement where we're praying. And I, and, and I always say that this uh, engaging in, in, in warfare, this is a time that we pray and we're, we're uh, um, fighting on our knees. But we, what we don't need to do is we don't need to think that we come to this um, ill-equipped or unprepared. Now, I know last week we jumped over the, the, the section that, that, that talked about each um, piece of the armament of God. This week what we're going to do is we're going to start uh, taking these, the, these pieces of armor um, apart here. Uh, over the next two weeks, and I, and I get it, I mean, two weeks for the, I don't know, all six pieces of the armor of God, it's going to be crazy. Yes, I understand. I'm going to talk really fast. No, I, I'm, I'm not going to exhaust what it is that we're doing. What I want us to do is to understand that we are already equipped. So it's not as if I have to tell you all this new stuff. I just want to bring to remembrance what God has already said so that when we go and when we uh, uh, are in battle, it's, we can stand firm or withstand the, the evil days, as Paul says here. But we can understand that as we're standing uh, um, firm and withstanding these evil days, we're doing it in the strength of God's might, not on our, under our own strength. Uh, so with that, let's look at uh, Ephesians chapter 6. And I'm going to, uh, you know what, let's do this. It, it, it's profitable for me to repeat myself. That's what Paul says. 
So I'm going to start in verse 10. I know you've read this 8,000 times, but here's 8,001. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. You know I love the, the King James where it says the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this, this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of, of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, so because all of that is true, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. And this is where we're going to really jump in here. Stand, therefore. Do you pick up on there this standing motif here? It's not, and I love this because this is not you become a Christian. The world is a tough place. Yes, it's dark, and there is a, 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 a spiritual enemy out there. And you're a Christian. You got your, uh, your get-out-of-hell-free get card, so then you take and you go and uh, cower in the corner. No, it's standing. We need to stand our ground. Uh, a, a few weeks ago, no, a few months ago now, when we were in the Ephesians series, where we talked about how the difference between um, standing and withstanding, and the one uh, is standing our ground, but the other is advancing toward that opposition. We advance toward that opposition, or we're able to stand our ground because of the armor of God in which he has already given us. Already given us. Don't think for a moment that, that, that you need to, oh, I don't have everything on. No, no, no. Every Christian has the, the accessibility to the whole armor of God. And I think I said last week, it's kind of like when we went to um, you know, boot camp, some of you that, that, that were in the, the military, where they issue you a bunch of stuff at the beginning and you don't know how to use it until they uh, teach you about it. It's kind of the, the same um, idea here with the armor of God. But understand that we have what we need to engage in this battle. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I'm an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. You know, I feel like we need to pray real quick. Father God, as we have just read your words, uh, my prayer is that over the next few minutes as we um, unpack these, Lord, that uh, your presence is felt here today. Uh, God, that as we talk about the armor, your armor, that we understand what it truly is and what it, it stands for and how we are already um, equipped and we need to be able to uh, fight uh, uh, not for victory, but from victory. So God, we pray right now that, that you open our, our not only our ears to hear, but our hearts to listen to you. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, I got 20 minutes and we're going to go through three pieces of the armor of God.
Now, these are not in any uh, particular order, although you could probably group them in, in a certain order. But what I want us to do is look at the big idea, which is the title for today's uh, sermon, is just equipping for battle. We're going to look at three pieces, and the three pieces in which we are going to look at um, are going to be the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, and the helmet of salvation. Now, I, as I was putting this together, I wanted to, to figure out how I can you know, group the, or make a couple groups here, uh, keeping a, a, a certain theme. And next week is really going to be um, a, uh, an evangelistic uh, approach to uh, the, the, the remaining three pieces. So I tell you that, um, so in, in online as well, I, I tell you all that. And so if you have that one that you're thinking about in your head, that you're like, man, I, I need him to hear Jesus, or I need her to hear Jesus, and I just don't know, that I don't have the words to, to say yet. Well, just bring their butts to church next Sunday, and the bald guy from the front will make sure that they cannot deny uh, the fact that they've heard the truth about Jesus and what he has done. All right? Some of you are like, oh, if I could do that, it's awful short notice. If you wanted to take them out to dinner, you'd be able to get them to go, hey, do that. There you go. Say, hey, let's go to a, uh, out to lunch. I'll pick you up. Pick them up early. And then just come to the second service. Hey, i got to stop by the church real quick. Hey, why don't you come in with me? Oh, don't worry about all those cars. I don't know. What those people must be cleaning or something. I know it's deceiving. Whatever. They need Jesus. Do whatever is needed. Ain't that what the, the Apostle Paul said? So that some may be saved? All right. I digress. <sighs> The three pieces of the armor of God today, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness. I want to start with, let's start with the helmet of salvation. Now, again, these are in no particular order, but when we think about the helmet of salvation, we think about what a helmet is for. What we need to understand is, yes, the helmet is to protect. It's to protect uh, the brain housing group, that's what they called it, right? The, the, this big gray uh, matter that's in your, your head that um, usually for, for guys doesn't click in until they're like 21, doesn't start working. And even then we're, we're kind of like, what, 24 maybe? Yeah, it's a little bit, 44, 40. Thanks, Dad. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it, it protects this. It protects our head. It protects that, 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 that thinking uh, organ or whatever material up inside there. But it also, what we, what we need to understand is a helmet um, during uh, th this time would um, also give a, 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 an identification of who the individual was. Now, who they belong to, if, depending upon, you know, the different, what do they call it, the regalia and the, the different main-looking thing. What is it? Blooms. Blooms? Plumes? Plums? The colorful things on their little head would, would, de would determine um, if they were an officer or not or what, you know, battalion or whatever. So it was about identity. Why do I tell you that? Because what we have to understand as children of God, as we put on the helmet of salvation, we have to be able to understand who we are identified with. And I think that that's where we need to start a lot of us because what we have, an under, uh, we have an, uh, uh, a tendency of doing is identifying with whatever we do for work or whatever our family is or whatever, and you can fill in, in, in the blank there. But as a child of God, we have an identity that is found in Christ. 
And if we don't start with our identity in Christ, I, I think that, that we can have a, a really difficult time in the, in the spiritual. Because what we're trying to do is we're trying to fight it with an earthly approach. But what, um, what we have to, uh, or the way in which we're supposed to fight it, is with this identity which has been given to us. Now, I, I say that, and we talk about um, the, 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 uh, the physical features of this, but it says it's the helmet of salvation. Salvation is that in which it, it uh, provides us the identity uh, in Christ. But I, I wrote this down for you um, to uh, uh, just to chew on a little bit. Salvation is this. Salvation is the all-inclusive term to describe the complete deliverance that God, through the person and work of Christ, and by the operation of the Holy Spirit, gives to his people. So uh, salvation is, is the, it's an all-inclusive, I mean, includes all, all-inclusive, complete deliverance. Well, I don't need to deliver. I don't have any demons in me. Or, no, no, no. It's the deliverance from the domain of darkness. Remember, we talked this from the domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of the Son. We are delivered from uh, uh, the wrath of God, and we're delivered into the mercies and the graces and, and the riches and rewards that God has waiting for us. So the, the, this helmet of salvation signifies the identity in which we have, the identity in Christ because of what he has done and because of our uh, receiving the gift. When it says all-inclusive, I think it's important that, um, that we, we, we point out the fact that salvation is, is given to all, but that doesn't mean that all are saved. Well, what do I mean? Well, what I mean is we have been given the gift, but we have to receive the gift. Not everybody's going to heaven. I'm not saying that about Christians. All Christians, all believers in Christ are going to heaven. But just because you are, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a child of God. No, 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 no. You're a creation of God. You don't become a child of God until salvation takes place. When salvation takes place, that all-inclusive, complete deliverance from uh, a Satan's sin and death, when that takes place, you're transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of the Son. And when we're transferred into the kingdom of the Son, we put on this helmet of salvation and we understand we are no longer in the, the, the we no longer have the nature that is attached to sin and death. We have a na the, the, the new nature in which God has given us in his Son to resemble his Son. So this helmet of salvation, it, it, it highlights the fact of our identity, but it also is an assurance. It's an assurance of our, our, our eternity. It, it, it's so that, and, and this is proverbially, it's so that we can look in the mirror, we can see the helmet, and we can be reminded, I am saved by the blood of Jesus, and nothing can wash away the blood of Jesus. No bad thing in which I, I, I've done. Jesus, what he has done on the cross, paid for my, my sin debt, past, present, and future. Now, do I want to, to uh, sin now? None of us do. I don't care. Well, it's fun. Well, yeah, but when we understand what sin truly is, and we identify with Christ, when we understand that sin is what put him naked on the cross to suffer, when we understand that, when we grab a hold of that, that makes us look at sin differently. And it should. Because if it doesn't, 
That's when you have to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And you and the Lord need to do some, some wrestling there. Maybe the Lord needs to put your hip out of, out of socket a little bit. Have a little you know, Jacob moment there. But what we need to understand is the helmet of salvation is, yes, it's an identity. It's an identity for ourselves. But it also should be an identity for others to see. They should see what's going on in your life. They should understand because of the way in which you live that you're not tied here to the, the, this, this domain. There's something different about you. And it's not that you're just weird. Because I look out and y'all are you're all pretty weird. So I, I know. That's why I know I'm in the right place. I know that I'm in the right place. Even though, here, this is, this is a good transition. So I didn't know, and uh, whatever, we'll, we'll have fun. This is, this is good. You, you'll like this. I didn't know, but uh, did, you, did, you, did you know? I didn't know this until just yesterday, Brenda sent me a text and said, hey, you need to look at this Google review. <laughs> I didn't know that they existed. I don't know what, I mean, and now uh, Chris and, and, and Jake knew about it before, but whatever. Um, she sent me this, and it said something along the, the, the lines of, did you, I, I sent it to you, uh, Mike, throw that up on the screen. Uh, yeah, whatever. If you, got, if you know this guy, tell him thanks. He's your neighbor? That, that's awesome, because look, man, it says one star. We only got one star review. It says, it's not really a good church. They go, they go to, they don't raise God. They just put other. I don't know what that means. I think he, he means praise God. Because I got a bad back already. I can't raise God. I mean, he's a big guy, right? Um, but this is the best part about it. People down there, all sinners. Did you know that there's sinners in church? <gasps> I told, that's what I told Brad. I was like, this is awesome. This is awesome. And, and there was another one that the pastor's opinionated, which is also awesome. Um, but no, this is understanding. People look, I don't, I don't know because I'm not out there, but people look at churches and think that they're, they're supposed to be filled with all these saintly people. Now, yes, we are saints of God because we are saved by grace, but we have sin that we're dealing with. And if a church isn't filled with sinners, man, you guys got to find yourself a new pastor. Because if a church is supposed to be perfect, I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, Jesus is the only one that, that would fit the bill to to lead a church like that, right? No, I, I say all this, and and you can bring that down there, Mike. Uh, but I, I say all that because you know, yes, we are to have uh, this identity that identifies to, to show people that we are uh, um, um, children of God. But what we have to understand is that people people are crazy. What's what's that 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 good old hymn? Um, that uh, I mean, it's it, it's it's one of those. You know how there's bad hymns and good hymns. This is one of theologically correct hymn. It says, uh, "God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy." Well, that's not a hymn. Hey, you, Zach, you know that one? We can. <laughs> oh, you just. I've been holding back. I'm letting you get through. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to throw it all out there in, in, in January. So. No, we, we can we can do a, a oh yeah oh we can nice 
Just, just, yeah, you, you, you still have a, a decision to make after the, 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 the five Sundays here in January, so we can't, can't get too weird on them yet. Um, but no, people are crazy, and they, they want to say crazy things like that, but what we have to understand is we're not identified by what people say we are. We're identified by who, who Christ shows and who, who, who Christ um, is in us. We're identified as sons and daughters of the King. And I, I love the fact that that's what a helmet is there to represent. And, um, man, oh man. The, the helmet is there to represent, but it's also to uh, assure us of the future, which is ahead of us. Uh, the second piece of, of armament here that we're going to be equipped with um, is the breastplate of righteousness. Now, the, the breastplate is um, a piece of armor that would shield the, the warrior's vital organs. So it would go over, obviously, the breast this area here, and it would shield the, the organs that if they, they got a blow from a, you know, a weapon or something, that it would, um, it would not be fatal. Hello, okay, how about now? We're good? All right, uh, let's, let's begin. Uh, <laughs> well, the game doesn't come on to what, three? So, no, uh, we'll get it. Hey, it's a good thing. It's a good thing that we, we do two services. So, hey, if we have to throw the other one up there, we will. The breastplate of righteousness. Uh, this breastplate, uh, where are we at? The shield, shields the, 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 the vital organs. But this breastplate uh, is derived from uh, the Lord's own armor. Isaiah 59, that's where I was going with you. Um, Isaiah chapter 59, verse 17, says this. It says, he put on righteousness as a breastplate. This is referring to uh, uh, the Redeemer, the Messiah, uh, the, the warrior king here, who is... Jesus. Who is Jesus? There we go. Um, I know that my mic died, didn't. Yours didn't. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing. I love this. Uh, and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. 
So uh, why do I, I, I read that when Paul is talking here and he's talking about this breastplate of righteousness, he's not saying that you've got to put on these righteous deeds in which you need to do. What he's talking about is this breastplate is the righteousness of God given to you. Well, how, well how, does, how, does that, how does that work? Well, I'm glad you have that question because the way in which that works is um, uh, uh, the, uh, the Apostle Paul explains it in 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. I think, yeah, there it is. 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says that for our sake, talking about us, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What does that mean? God's righteousness um, in the work of Christ, in the receiving of his free gift, us receiving his free gift, um, his righteousness is imputed to us. His righteousness is given to us. So it's not as if we have to come up with these righteous deeds. What we have to understand is the armament in which we have is the righteousness of God so that when the Father looks down at us, he sees the Son. He sees the, 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 uh, the imputed righteousness. Now, here's a crazy thing that, that is awesome. Um, the uh, great uh, reformer, Martin Luther, said that this, this, this verse here in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, is uh, called the great exchange. The great exchange. Why is it called the great exchange? Because Christ gave us his righteousness as he took on our sin. As he took on our sin, he paid the debt with his righteousness, his blood, his perfection. Righteousness, and, 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 and as we think of what righteousness is, I wrote this, this definition down for you. Righteousness is the, the complete obedience to God's will. Now, notice I said complete. Righteousness is the complete obedience to God's will that satisfies the moral requirements of God's character. We cannot do that on our own. That's why this is important to understand. This is the breastplate of righteousness. This is the breastplate is the armor, is the righteousness of God. This is what Christ did in our stead. He, he, he came and lived a life in which we couldn't live and died a death we should have died or we should die. But in our stead, he, he, he imputed his righteousness, his fulfillment of God's or being obedient to God's will. So when we think about the, 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 the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness, we understand that when we fight and we come into the battle, we are identified and we're protected. But then the third piece of armor that we're going to talk about in two and a half minutes, the shield of faith. Now, when we think about the shield, don't think of Captain America shield, although that's cool. But think about a shield that would be uh, quite large that w w was used, as it says here, um, to extinguish the flaming darts. The shield uh, of faith was a, a large shield. So with the helmet and the breastplate, you have the shield, which would cover most of, of the body here. Now, a lot of people will, um, when they're talking about the armor of God, they, they say that of the six pieces of the armor of God, that there are five defensive and only one offensive uh, piece of weaponry there. Uh, we'll talk about the, the sword of the Spirit next week. I will argue and say that the fact that the shield um, of faith is also a, an offensive weapon. Because when you think about a shield and when you understand the, 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 uh, the, the techniques that can be used 
with shield, you can see that how they can be used to advance. Just look at the riots and stuff that are happening in the, you know, the, the, the police where they, they take their shields and they lock them together and they drive back the, uh, the, the crowds. When they're driving back these crowds, that's an, a, 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 an offensive um, approach here. Yes, it's defensive. They don't want to get hit or whatever. But think about the shield of faith is where we're extinguishing those flaming darts. But for the shield of faith, the faith in which we have, the trust and confidence in which we have in Christ and what he has already done, we could advance through life. We can advance in our relationship with him. I, I love the, the, the fact that as uh, uh, Paul is, is saying this, when he says there in um, uh, verse 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. So in everything in which we do, not just in this area or not just in a, a, another area, in everything in which we do, we are to take up this shield. Why are we to take up this shield? Well, I've got a helmet on. I've got a breastplate on. That, those things are great. Yes, you're, 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 you're sealed. You are signed, sealed, delivered. You're going to heaven. Absolutely. But what you have to understand is we're not to, not, we're not to stand still. We're to advance forward. And the way in which we advance is through uh, taking this shield up. And as we take this shield up, there's going to be flaming darts arrows coming at us, but because of the construction of this shield, it says it's going to extinguish them, but what we can do is not just stand here, and just, oh, I'm getting beat up, but we can take this and we can advance. One of the things that I have a passion on my heart to do is to help people advance or adjust their faith perspective. Well, what does that mean? It's what we have to, to look at is some people have a shield, but it's kind of cocked. What, what would we say? Cockeyed. It's kind of tilted a little bit. It's cattywampus, as my dad would say. It's all. What we need to do is the, the, the shield needs adjusted a little bit because the arrows are getting through and they're, they're hitting. Well, what, what, what I want to do is I want to help people get that shield straight. Let's get it straight. Let's get the object of our faith straight. Not that he has moved, but we need to move behind him. And then because of that, we can advance from where we are to where God wants us to be. I've said this a billion times, and this will be my closing statement, whatever. It's okay to not be okay, right? It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay not okay. God does not want us to be in a state of confusion. God does not want us to be in a state of unrest. God wants us to, to, to uh, uh, settle in and enjoy his rest. When we read through Hebrews, if you, if you do, and you read the, the, about this rest, what we have to understand is we can have rest for our souls now. It's not just some future thing. Yes, it's going to be much more glorious in the future, but today we can have rest. We can have peace and our souls. That peace comes from following God and what he has set forth. I can talk to every single one in here, and you can tell me your woes, and I, I, I'm good with that. That's, that's what I signed up for. But I can look at, at all those, and not because my truth is right, but I can look at and I can probably pinpoint where you, your, your, your pain, your suffering is coming from into the, due to the fact that there's, there's something that, that, that needs to be realigned. There's something that needs to be get, gotten rid of. Because it's not in line with what God has said. 
what God has clearly given to us. You have the, the breastplate of righteousness because God is righteous and he's given that, that to us, but you, you're, you're not completely obedient to his will. You can be. And that's, that's our, our, our objective in moving forward is moving into a place where we can be more obedient to God's will for our lives. Because it says, Jesus says, I've come to give life and life abundantly. That means now. I'm not saying we have our best life now, and I know I, I, I probably railed that one way too much. Our best life is to come, but we can have a pretty darn good one right now if we rest in the fact of who he is and what he's already done. As we look at these pieces of armament and you guys reread all this and pick up and point out all the things I didn't talk about today, what I want you to do is rest in the fact that when we engage in the spiritual battle, this, this warfare that's going on, that we're already victorious. And because we're already victorious, we look at these pieces of armament and we can just, we can boast in the Lord because of what he has done for us. Let's pray. Our Father, God in heaven, Lord, we thank you. We love you. God, we ask that uh, as we talked about a whole bunch of different stuff and uh, went down some different paths that uh, all in all that we can see that you have given us everything in which we need. God, we thank you for your provision. God, as we go from here, we ask your blessings upon us. And God, I, I pray that you, you stir in each and every person in here that one, that one person, when we can ask that question, who's your one? As we go forward in the weeks and months and years to come, God, that we can see you work through that one. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.